Good morning. Uh, welcome on this really super duper cold day. Uh, welcome to those who are watching online. My name is Rendy Skolton and I am on staff here at Orchard. And we are finishing up this morning our series called Becoming Builders. And it's what it looks like to build community rather than destroy it. Uh, but I'm going to go back to the beginning just a little bit. As we were preparing for this series, uh, they, like our creative team gets together and uh, like, hey, what do you want this to look like? They should never invite me to those meetings. Um, I had one idea and that idea was, I want a walk-up song. I think we should have one. And you know, yeah. Uh, some of you know what I mean, though. It's like that you go to a kid's little league baseball game, right? And you have the eight you, like the eight-year-old kid who he's chosen his song, and it's the song that plays every time he goes up to bat because it just builds his confidence, and then you know he's going to hit the ball right out of the park, right? So I wanted one of those, and they told me no. So here we are, but I'm still going to share with you what my walk-up song would have would have been. It's it's me. Hi. I'm the problem. It's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. Hi, everybody agrees. Everybody agrees. So you see where I'm going with this. Uh, we have some friends actually who shared with us last night. In their house, the kids say, hi, it's me. I'm hungry. Uh, so whatever works for you. Uh, never, ever did you think a Taylor Swift song was going to make it into a teaching. Um, but yeah, here we are. You're glad you came this morning, right? Uh, if you have teenagers in your house, you've heard this song probably a million times since it was released. Uh, and as we were planning this, uh, it was on the radio constantly. In fact, the first morning that I went to teach in Grundy, I was getting in my car in the parking lot, and I turned the car on. And I kid you not, within 10 seconds, this song comes on. And so I snapped my husband. I was like, look at this, Taylor Swift. Like, God's talking to me through Taylor Swift this morning. I mean, that's not true, but, you know, I can only hope. Uh, but the deal is, I know this song probably doesn't seem very uplifting, uh, like the little kid, uh, little league kiddo, but here's why this song actually speaks to me, and it's kind of a, motiv a motivator. From the moment I heard it, and I'm in the car with my daughter, and I'm like, yes, this is it. And she's looking at me like I'm crazy, and she's like, yeah, you are the problem. Uh, I know it. So, and really here's why it hits home is because as we're talking about what it looks like to build better communities, re better friendships, better relationships, uh, if you, as you've seen in this series, we talk about what gets in the way and what destroys it. And hearing this song speaks to me because I know I am often the problem or at least part of it. And I'm not afraid to stand here and tell you I am the problem. We get to choose whether we are people who build community or hurt and destroy community. Judgmentalism, superiority, gossip, and inauthenticity are some of the temptations that we face that damage a healthy community. In contrast, we've been talking about humility, encouragement, curiosity and genuineness welcome others into our lives and grow our hearts both for God and for others. Nikki had actually used a phrase when she taught that said God wants to grow us up to be his people and I love that because it's spot on. 
One of our top strategies here at Orchard is belonging and community. And how do we grow up uh, to be his people? We grow in our faith. We share life with others. It's critical to our spiritual growth. We grow together. We learn together. We struggle together. We are better together. God called this church his family. Community is so deeply valuable to our emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being. And our hope is that through this series, we can begin this year with a commitment to being a strong, healthy Christian community together. So back to my song lyrics. Um, Here's the deal. We've been working through the creation of this series and I'm listening to all the other teachers, and I've had to do a whole lot of self-reflection. Maybe you have too. And I've had to intentionally work on myself. In processing each of these topics, I mean humility. I don't always have to be right, and I don't have to be the smartest person in the room. Get curious in asking questions before judging and jumping to conclusions. Really assess my authenticity with others. Am I taking risks to be in real relationship with others? I had to get real with myself, my thoughts, my words, and my conversations. Especially in conversations that are tension-filled and maybe challenging for me. So here are a few things that I have to do. Like when I find myself in a tension-filled or maybe just a hard conversation... Uh, I have to hit the pause button. And there are three things that I do. The first thing that I have to do is I have to name the emotion. Like, what is it that I'm feeling right now? And then why? Why am I feeling this way? Usually it's something deeply rooted in me that's causing that emotion to rise to the top. And then I have to ask myself, am I the problem? Or am I contributing to it in some way? So here's... An example, a story that where I've actually had to hit the pause button. And this is such a ridiculously silly story. Uh, you'll understand why when I'm done. But I recently had to use, like, hit the pause button. We're on a 13-hour drive home from vacation. And we start the longest game of ABC. And we're coming, I don't even know, we're in the middle of nowhere, Nebraska, when it starts. We go through Lincoln, and by the time we leave Lincoln, everyone's on the letter Z. So what that means is the first person who finds a Z on a sign wins the game. And so we're coming into Omaha, and my husband intentionally distracts me, and then he's like, Z! And then he just starts celebrating. He's going, yeah, like this, and he's hitting the sunroof. And I just looked at him, and I just said, can you not do that? And my kid's in the back seat, and she's like, it's just a car. And in that moment, I'm like, hmm, it's not even about the car. So I'm like, okay, what am I feeling right now? And I was mad. And why was I mad? Because my husband just beat me at a game that he's never beat me at, ever. In all of our years of playing this game, he's never beat me. And I was mad. Knowing I'm getting home the next day and teaching, I was like, oh, dude, I am the problem. Uh, Because in that moment, instead of just celebrating and encouraging and being a part of what's happening, in a split second, I was going to destroy everything that was going on in that car in the celebration. 
over something ridiculously silly. So imagine, though, when we are in the middle of hard things, how hard it is to hit the pause button because I had to do it over a game with my husband. And so that, friends, is why this song has kind of stuck with me because the truth is I am the problem or I'm contributing to it in some way. And my guess is if you hit the pause button and you ask these same questions, you might come to the same conclusion. Each and every one of us is the problem, at least some of the time. The thing is, we all know when we are, and everyone else knows it too. But how often do we acknowledge it, own it, and take the necessary steps to change it? So this morning, um, excuse me, so it doesn't sound encouraging yet, but I promise I'm going to get there. Uh, we're going to focus on encouraging one another and how through encouragement we can build better, healthier communities. But what's the opposite of encouraging? It would be discouraging. And there's nothing more discouraging than gossip. And yes, we all do it. We all gossip. We might not think that we do, but we do. So let's just take a moment and let's define gossip. Gossip is casual or unconstrained conversation or reports about other people, typically involving details that are not confirmed as being true. Unconstrained conversations about other people with the details not confirmed as true. Do you see it? Unconstrained, other people, not true. Gossip is basically talking about someone in a negative way that could lead others to do the same. And let's be honest, we do this to damage someone's reputation, their credibility, or to point out their faults, because seriously, it's easier to do it to them before they do it to us, right? What is it that makes gossip so appealing to us that it becomes unconstrained, which means it's without limits or restrictions? It's as if we just can't help ourselves, or we might even be addicted to it. And the consequences are so great, yet we fail over and over again to constrain ourselves, and we fail not to lead others to join us in it. In fact, we encourage them to join us. We might even pressure them to join us. And friends, this is not honoring to God or the relationships and community with people he put in our lives. This must break his heart, and it should break ours too. Proverbs 18.8 says, The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to a man's inmost parts. Or, another translation, they are dainty morsels that sink deep into one's heart. Gossip is a particularly deadly sin. Gossip has destroyed more people, tarnished more reputations, broken more friendships, and split more churches than any sin I'm aware of. Gossip is quickly told, it's quickly heard, and quickly spread. Whether we admit it or not, we have a fascination with gossip. When we listen to gossip, it goes to our innermost parts. Gossip sinks its teeth into our hearts, 
souls, and minds, and it corrupts us. It's this tasty little morsel that attempts to feed some insatiable need in us, like sugar, that will speed, speed up decay inside our mouths if it's ignored. Gossip sinks deep into the heart with a toxic and a corrosive effect, but it never really satisfies us, does it? It is a heart condition. What billows up inside will come out, and sometimes sideways, in our families, our relationships, our friendships, small groups, and here in our church community. We as Christ followers are not immune to the sin of gossip. So let's just talk about a few things, uh, a few of the consequences of gossip. It spreads untruth, excuse me, it spreads untruth, destroys trust, it ruins reputations, it alienates friends, damages relationships, our spiritual life suffers from it, and it is just downright hurtful. And we can so easily get pulled into gossip. Simple chatter among friends that turns into a full-blown conversation about someone that's not even present. Gossip that flows from our mouth is a heart condition. If we're speaking from a place of bitterness, we're talking about someone with whom we're bitter, it's gossip. If we're speaking of someone out of anger and not having those conversations with them, but we're having it with everyone else, it's gossip. One of the most profound ways that gossip seeps into our relationships is when someone comes to us in what appears to be counsel-seeking, but ultimately they come to defend or protect themselves. And they really just want us to agree with them. And before we know it, we're joining in, complaining, unconstrained conversations about others. It's so easy to do this, to think I'm helping, but really, I'm becoming part of the problem. I am the problem. This type of gossip without actively participating could make us take offense to a friend, to a spouse, to a leader, or whomever is the center of the gossip. And I don't know about you, but I'm not going to stand here, and I can't stand here and say, hey, I have not engaged in some type of gossip yesterday, last week, last month, last year. Um, that would just not be true. I know that I am part of the problem. But instead of adding to the, discourage, the discouragement of gossip, we could become better encouragers. Instead of being part of destroying community, let's become better builders. What would it look like for our words to bring healing and reconciliation? To build others up instead of tearing them down. The Apostle Paul offers some pretty clear instructions about this in almost every letter he writes. In his letter to the Ephesians, he says, and this is Ephesians 4, 25 through 32, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. 
Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Even in the midst of hard relationships, situations, and difficulties, Paul calls us to stay away from sin. Don't let unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up. Encourage one another according to what they need so that it benefits those who listen. Now, I don't want to gloss over the fact that we all have vastly different circumstances that are not super simple. Many of us have relationships that are deeply, deeply strained. They're complicated. Or what we might even say are broken beyond repair. I don't want to stand here and oversimplify the complexity of those situations. They are real. They are hurtful. There's pain, regret, and brokenness. And also, these broken relationships may not be your fault. I make a joke and I make light of a song that says, hey, I'm the problem and you're the problem. Um, but here's the thing. I know. I know there are times. I know from my own experiences that sometimes I'm not the problem. You are not always the problem. Sometimes it is not your fault. That said, I don't know a single negative impact of encouraging others. Not a single one. Even in the midst of hurt, pain, and brokenness, we can still be encouragement to others. And the potential benefits of encouragement are huge for building better communities. So let's just look really quick. Benefits of encouragement. Builds trust. It increases confidence in relationships and community. It gives hope. It gives positivity. It give, provides deeper, more authentic community and relationships like Nikki talked about. And the beautiful thing is encouragement increases encouragement. And we are called over and over again in scripture to encourage one another. Build one another up. We were created to be together in community. And encouraging one another is an essential part of that. Most of Paul's letters were written in response to circumstance or controversy within the church or with God's people. Most are instructions and, and encouragement for living in the midst of internal tension and conflict caused by these circumstances and controversies. But guess what? We still have tension and conflict in our relationships, in our churches today, and we always will. But even in the midst of such circumstances and his imprisonment, Paul still encourages. He still expresses his deep love for the church and God's people. The people he often refers to as brothers and sisters. So here are a few things. Here's what Paul does to encourage those to whom he's writing. He spoke truth. Even in the midst of disappointment and betrayal, Paul called the church beloved and affirmed God's people. Just as in Ephesians 4.25, therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Here's another thing. Paul was deliberate, deliberate in seeking out things 
to rejoice in other people? Should we not be doing the same? Seeking out reasons to rejoice and encourage those around us. Not only seeking those things out, but expressing them, saying them, giving words of encouragement, actually saying the words to people. And I struggle with this. I don't know why I do, but I actually do. I think all the things, but I fail in actually saying those things, even to the people in my own house. The other thing Paul did is he demonstrated grace. Ephesians 31 and 32 again. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another. Paul goes on to challenge the Ephesians to walk in love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, we need to rest in God's grace for us and to remember how he loved us. Be filled with it and allow the same grace to flow out of our hearts to others. Remember, it's, gossip is a heart condition. Grace and love are a heart condition. Paul invested. He doesn't directly say this, but it's how he lived. And when he says walk in love, he's talking about invest, the investment we make in others. We become encouragers by investing our time, our talent, our resources in God's people. We invest in others by showing up for them. It's hard to demonstrate compassion in love without showing up. Showing up changes how we see people changes how we interact with them. It changes how we love them. Even while being imprisoned, Paul longed, longed to be face-to-face -face with people. We should long to be face-to-face -face with one another. We are better together. And this is how we grow in our faith, our relationships with one another, in Christ. Showing up and being together is a form of encouragement. And lastly, the thing, the other thing Paul does is he gave thanks. And this is one thing I just love about Paul in reading his letters. He opens almost all of his letters by giving thanks to God and affirms all things about the congregation. Their gifts, their grace, prayers, love for one another, and growing in their faith. Paul was a master, a master of encouraging others. In one of his other letters, Paul says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. What if we took a page from Paul's playbook and we wrote letters of encouragement, rejoicing over people and taking delight in them to honor each other. Imagine, imagine what that would look like. And I know there might be some of you sitting there like, Randy, I am not going to write a letter. Uh, I know, I know they're lengthy and maybe not ideal, but what if we just took the time just to write a short note? We actually have somebody on our staff that pays attention and they're really intentional about doing exactly this. In fact, at the end of the year, this person had taken the time to write a, a, on a card words of encouragement to every single one of our staff about some type of encounter that they'd had with, with each of these people throughout the year. 
That is impressive. And these notes, the cool thing about them is they make an immediate positive impact on people. I know it did to me when I received one. Paul's New, New Testament letters show us the best ways to encourage not only our fellow believers, but also, also those with whom we have influence every single day in the community, here at church, at work, in our friend circles, at home, literally everywhere. Before I close, though, I do want to say that if you find yourself on the flip side and you are the source of someone else's gossip, set some boundaries. We do not give people access to our hearts so they can turn around and gossip about us. Boundaries are a God idea. He created them in the very beginning. We expect people to be responsible with our hearts and the access that we give them. If they cannot, then we get to reduce that access. And we get to reduce the access that we give them to the deepest parts of our life. Never feel bad about that. Community should be a safe space. If it is not, then it's our responsibility to set appropriate boundaries and hold others accountable to those boundaries. God did not command us to confess our sins to one another and then go gossip about it. He commanded us to encourage one another, to spur one another on, carry each other's burdens. So let's just do that. Let's be responsible with the access others give us to their hearts. Let's listen and encourage each other. And as Bob Goff says, I love his saying uh, in his book, Everybody Always, he says, let's talk about each other, but let's talk about the right things. All right, I'm gonna close this morning with two things, with encouragement and challenging, okay? My encouragement to you is, uh, Tyler actually taught last week uh, about taking a risk in belonging in community. He actually talked about how he led uh, a small group and took that risk to do it. Take the step to either lead a group or to join a small group. I am deeply passionate about community and groups here at Orchard, and I encourage you to take that risk. Take the step. Find your people, a community to walk with during good times, and during the really hard times and all the times in between, people to encourage you, people to challenge you, and hold you, excuse me, accountable. My husband and I, it's literally changed our life. We have found so much community through small groups here at Orchard. And community that's good, it's healthy, and it's high trust. So that's my encouragement for you is for you to do that. Uh, and... Speaking of small groups, uh, we've never led a small group, my husband and I, where, and if anybody's been in it, you know where I'm going, uh, we've never led a small group where we let them leave from week to week without a challenge. So I'm going to do that just this morning because we're a group of friends, so I'm, gonna, I'm not letting you off the hook. I'm going to challenge you, and I have two of them for you this week. So the first one is, is do not say the words. Like, I don't know about you, I've had moments where I'm on my way and I Literally, I'm like, I cannot wait to get there because I'm ready to run down the hall and be and like, do you believe this or did you hear that? I mean, we all do it, right? Uh, restrain yourself. If you find yourself in that position this week, just don't say the words. Just don't. Just don't say the words and gossip about anyone. The other one is find one way this week to encourage someone. 
Just one, one small way, okay? Um, I mean, it could be a tiny little personal note. It could be, hey, I'm just going to show up. It could be, you know, providing a meal, stepping up and helping, uh, just being present. And if none of those really, like, you can do this week, there's one thing you can do that is an enormous and beautiful form of encouragement. It's just pray. Pray for whoever it is that you may be, good or bad relationship. Uh, I'm going to encourage you if you're kind of in, uh, you know, a, a tough spot with someone, then that's your person. Pray for that person. It is one of the best forms of encouragement is by doing that. So let's start becoming builders of community rather than destroyers. Talk about people, but talk about the right things. All right, let's pray. God, you created us um, to be together in community. We need you, and we need each other. Lord, I pray that you will help us guard our hearts so it can overflow with joy and gratitude in all things good. Help us to be people that honor you with our thoughts and, most importantly, our words. We love you and pray this all in your son's name. Amen.